interview with Mark Kelly. We've had some heavy episodes. Have we ever? So we need a fun episode. We need a fun episode. And therefore, therefore, we've got a ton of letters about <laughs> about those heavy episodes. About the heavy episodes. <laughs> oh my god! What are we doing? Look, we're going to try and get through them as quickly as possible. Um, we did get a lot of letters about fish solo, so we... they're not massively long though. No, so it's are, just up to us whether we. Some that were quite long. Couple along, I don't know. It doesn't doesn't matter. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are we are seriously overdue a fun episode. We are, yeah. Given that you know we were close to jumping off a building after those three fish episodes. Oh my goodness, man alive! Sorry to everyone else. Uh, yeah. Also got some you know bad reviews or bad bad one star ratings oh, on dear. Apple Podcasts. Not that I want to bang on about and it. And you think that that they that was. Due to the They weren't fish. there before. Not that I check every week or anything, but, but yeah. they weren't there before we did the fish oh, episode. Dear. But then you go it's on controversial to, it's a controversial topic. Well you go on to, you know, his statement about Mark Kelly's book and the comments. And he's got a lot of very passionate fans. Which I understand, especially if they I nearly said if they fell in love with him. That's all right. It's if, a it's a form of it's love. It's a form of love, I suppose. Stroke. But especially if they if people really connected with fish when they were young like and me. he meant okay yes like you <laughs> you were an exception well maybe you weren't an exception thinking about this week's letters which i may have glanced at a couple he may have really impacted people's lives and then they've got an almost irrational fondness for him. <laughs> I don't think that wasn't I don't think you meant that. that. That just sounded as damning as it, as it came across as <laughs> an irrational fondness. Well, no. Wow. He, okay. Yeah, I know you find it very hard to talk about him anymore. Um, no, I find it hard to talk about him without digging a hole. Yeah. Look, but I. Oh, sorry, I was fiddling with something. I dropped it on the floor, whatever. Fidget City. Fidget City. Uh, it sounds like a fish song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, there's something about that mentality because when I did the interview with John Arneson, mm. I noticed there were some comments again in the fish official group or official group on Facebook. It's oh, not called that. Very good. That should be called that. It should be called that. Kind of just calling John Arneson a dick. And... As we sort of said in our episodes, there's two sides to every story. And, you know, I dare say, as per Mark Kelly's book, John Arneson had a few problems back in the 80s. But I don't know. I just just think it's a shame when people blindly one way or another kind of go, oh, I'm loyal to this person, full stop. But people will do that. And so if they take offence at, the episodes we did on him, then that's understandable. I was more, I wasn't talking about our episodes. Oh, well, or anything. I was talking more about the spot, the response to Mark's book. uh, Oh, right. In, in the comments and how. Oh, what? Really? Yeah. Lots of people just kind of, I wouldn't say attacking, but a lot of people, you know, accusing Mark of sort of digging up, uh, of, of, reopening old wounds and sort of saying that Mark was muckraking and stuff like that off the back of Fish's statement. And if you read the book, which I think some of these people definitely haven't done, that how I read the book 
when Mark perhaps mentioned Fish's voice or, you know, not being as strong as it perhaps it once was or things like that, it, the sense I got, it was like sort of piss-taking with mates. Mm. You know, in that way that you and I sometimes will take the piss out of one another and it will be misread. Yes. You know, yeah, we have, we, we're allowed to do that because we're married and we know each other's limits. Yes, even though even sometimes we overstep them. Even sometimes both of us. <laughs> yeah, can I just true. point out both, both of us? Both of us. <laughs> that's correct. Both of us can sometimes... <laughs> Go too far. Misjudge the boundary. Yeah, but I think when you've been friends with someone and had a lot of history, you, you it gives you the okay to do that or the right to do that to a certain degree, obviously, yes. without overstepping. And others, sorry, you're not part of that relationship. You don't get to... Anyway, but regardless, whatever. I, you know, clearly Fish didn't read it that way anyway, so it doesn't matter. Well, he might have, because <laughs> he did say it hurt to see his voice mentioned Yes, no, that's times. what I'm saying. Fish didn't take it as like a matey kind oh, of... Oh, I see, I see. Okay, yeah. yeah. Fish clearly didn't take it as a sort In of that way, matey I mean, banter yeah, kind maybe. of way. Oh, no, don't say it. What are you going to say? I'm saying maybe because there's a grain of truth in it. Oh, my God, you can't stop. <laughs> well, I mean, his voice isn't as strong as it once was, is it? Objectively, objectively speaking, let's not pretend. Some people in those comments mm. said that H's voice isn't as good as Fish's and called H a bad singer. Everyone is entitled to their opinion. Mm-hmm. That's fine if they want to think that, even if they're wrong. Anyway, it was depressing to read the replies. It was depressing that Fish thought he had to respond. But, I mean, I get Fish wanting to respond because he's mentioned so much in the book. So yes, that's, I get you know, it. That's fair enough. And maybe his response was actually... It was relatively measured, I suppose. It was. Yeah, it was. Um, and, yeah, as you say, he was mentioned a lot, so he has every right to do that. Yeah. But at the same time, at the same time, I'm disappointed that he didn't just drop Mark a line. And why did he do that publicly? You know, I might not agree with what he's saying, but I do think he he was spoken about in the book publicly. Therefore, him, I understand him wanting to respond to the book publicly. Mm. I get that. He has been pretty well measured by saying, just you wait. I'm going <laughs> to just you wait until my subjective story comes out. Subjective. Uh, all right, look, let's let's crack on with some letters. It's been a very long time since we've had a letters long, bag. Long, 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 long time. Long time, because we haven't been doing any albums. Uh, we've got a whole career's worth of albums to talk about this week. Yeah. Let's start with a letter from our good old friend Mark Gryffindor. Uh, this isn't about fish, this is about transatlantic. If you remember, we had a transatlantic episode. We did. Some time back where we had my good friend Pedantony on. Yes. And I uh, probably just got a bit overexcited, didn't I, in that episode? <laughs> probably messed about <laughs> a bit too much. I bet that's where we got some of the one-star well, reviews from. you know, we did need to have that fun episode before yeah, a it got very, Intense. very yeah. heavy. Anyway, for the record, those of you who don't know, I'm not a big transatlantic fan. Um, so Mark says, Transatlantic, I disagree with Paul on this one. I'll say that they are my favourite Meridian side project, although Kino and Marathon are also excellent. Kino, all right. Marathon's probably my favourite up there with... This is me talking, not Mark. Uh, that Marathon's up there with the uh, Steve Rothery solo album. 
not wishing tree, the Steve Rothery. Yeah. Goes to Pipiat one. Oh, nice. Uh, I can understand why Transatlantic are not everyone's cup of tea, and they are certainly guilty of overplaying at times, but I don't think they're as guilty as bands like Dream Theatre, who seem to want to beat you into submission with their musical virtuosity. Transatlantic do have hooks and melodies that make the albums entertaining and fun. I saw Transatlantic live on the whirlwind tour at Shepherd's Bush, and it was one of the best gigs I've ever seen. The band and the audience were enjoying themselves and fully aware that this was epic prog and reveled in it. I know that you might call it derivative, but I don't think Transatlantic would claim to be doing anything groundbreaking. I'd much rather listen to them than other prog bands who, naming no names, simply seem to want to recycle suppers ready. That's what it's about, ultimately. If you love it, brilliant. That's what music should be for. And you don't need the likes of me poo-pooing your favourite music. <laughs> don't listen to us. Stop, stop listening to us. No, uh, it's, all, it's always subjective, isn't it? Yes. And I think you can enjoy a thing on multiple different levels. It's like I, it's like Star Wars. Let's take Star Wars, something that I like. I enjoy it for what it is, but I also enjoy the nostalgia oh, factor. Okay. Yeah, I get that. So if there's an element of enjoying music because you know it's overblown, ridiculous prog, brilliant. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it doesn't. You that don't. Makes sense. You don't just enjoy things on one level. Mm. And some of us don't have that attachment or that reason because we're all wired differently anyway so yes that's fair enough you can disagree with me i'm big enough to take it okay so our next letter is from carl wilding wilding you make my heart sing (laughs) you didn't see that coming did you i definitely didn't That's a good one. If isn't only it? our listeners could have seen your performance, not just oh, heard yeah. it. Oh, I forget sometimes that they can't see me. So, Carl says, I don't normally do this, but I belatedly wanted to write to say how much I enjoyed the transatlantic episode. It was good fun listening to three people talk about music, not taking themselves seriously, but nevertheless knowledgeable. Wow, it was knowledgeable. That's pretty cool. Probably Anthony. Anthony. Anthony was yeah. being knowledgeable. It's so nice to hear people who know slash love prog enough to be able to say from a, pra- from a place of love that some prog music is just shite. Oh, my God. From a place of love. <laughs> <laughs> from a place of love, that's oh. shite. My personal bete noire is I just can't understand why the likes of Yes and ELP are deemed to be so brilliant when lots of current prog, current prog music is better than the 70s so-called giants, I reckon. Mm, interesting. Your end-of-year email did make me think about the future of the podcast, as you don't have many Marillion ah. albums left to review. Yes, don't worry, Carl, because we <laughs> seem to be going through them at yeah, snail's those pace of now. You, those of you, and I know we've got one coming up, complaining <laughs> that we're not getting to marbles fast enough. What are we going to do when we've got none left? What are we going to do, everyone? We've got to take our time. We don't want to stop this. You know, I know there's some people on Apple Podcasts who want us to stop, but (laughs) (laughs) my advice to them is stop listening. I'd enjoy more episodes like this where you talk about an artist in general rather than a specific album. Please do keep it up. It doesn't have to be weekly. I've learnt quite a lot too. So I'm really enjoying the podcast. My view of Marillion songs doesn't always concur with your tastes, but that's why I like what you do. 
You say what you think and it's good to hear a different perspective. I just started subscribing to the Patreon as I would like you to continue. Best wishes, Carl. P.S. Paul, I briefly said hello at the start of the Friday Hamiodian gig when I interrupted you Mm. and asked if you were Paul from Biampod. I hope I didn't embarrass myself no you didn't you made my night it was lovely uh yeah all those people that came up to us at the the hamio gigs were it 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 was brilliant it was lovely because we yeah we we've always we we get emails speaking into a void exactly it's really it was as important for us as um you know our patreon (laughs) yeah in terms of keeping us going yeah uh so yeah it made a big difference Yes, talking about the points in the letter, the Yes and ELP, it's like all those bands, they've all got bits that I like. Yes is, is a band in particular that I got into because of, got into, tried to get into because of Marillion, because I think I'd heard Fish back in the day, back in the 80s, talk about what an influence they've been. See also, I don't know, Van der Graaff Generator, Little Feet is another album I remember buying off a of Fish's recommendation. What's really interesting is all those, those apart from Genesis, Genesis was the only one that I got into and enjoyed and stayed kind of, you know, what I would class as a fan of. But all those other so-called bands that supposedly influenced Fish and early Marillion, I didn't like any of them. Vandergraaff Generator has its moments. Yes, has its moments. ELP perhaps has its moments. But the weird thing is... When H joined and the sort of bands that he cited as a, an influence, I kind of like all those. So talk, oh, talk. interesting. Blue Nile is a mm. band that I got into because H would mention them. All oh, of right. those sorts of bands I'm a big fan of, which is, again, why I probably stayed a Marillion fan right. going forward once yeah, that he makes sense. joined. Um. Yeah, but it's weird, isn't it? How yeah. I I never I could see certain influences. Certainly, I can see a, a kind of Peter Hamill, who was the singer from Van der Graaff Generator. I can see a degree of influence in Fish's lyrics and vocal delivery in places. But I have to be honest; it's like I find a lot of them, their stuff, literally unlistenable. Wow! It's there's some challenging tunes on their albums. I tell you. Mm. Uh, but yeah, and as for us uh, running out of albums, look, we don't want to stop. We're only going to stop if this stops being fun. And yeah, I mean, when we do get to the end of the albums and stuff, we might not be weekly, but we might be. We, we still, might we'll be. still have a few things to talk about once we've reached the end of the albums. And I don't we'll think, see how yeah. long that goes on for. I don't think we're going anywhere anytime soon because of things like the Transatlantic episode where... We can, as as Carl Wild thing says, you know, using it as a jumping off point to talk mm. about other things. Yes, we might not talk quite so heavily about Marillion in at some point in the future, but I think we'd always use Marillion as the starting point to perhaps talk about other things or other bands that I think yes people who like Marillion like that sort of thing. Or bring it back to Marillion somehow. Yeah, yeah, I would like. There are other albums that I think are in that ballpark that I'd love you to listen to that I know you haven't necessarily heard. Oh, I'm very curious I'd, um, now. Be curious to know what you made of. Cool. Uh, made of? What yeah. you made of then? Yeah. So moving on. Okay, so the next one is from the sweetie Matthew Revel. <laughs> Revels. Revel. 
And he says, the music streaming service I use collides together all the different artists that go by fish. Every time I go to the fish section, this geezer shows up. So I need to click on that and see who that is. <laughs> this is, this is good content, isn't it? <laughs> I'd like to imagine briefly that fish has had a major change of image. I've never listened to the song because the picture is enough. Okay, let's have a look. Open Oh, link. wow. He's interesting. Wow. So if anyone would like <laughs> to know... Oh, God, he started playing his song. The um, song is called The Razor's, the Razor's Edge. Edge. Okay, but he's a he looks like a friendly fellow, doesn't he? He looks really friendly. I wonder if he's ever pinned anyone up against the wall. Paul! Oh, God. Now I want to look up other people. Okay, but... not now, not the time. We're recording, dear. All right. right our next letter is from Corey C. Uh... Who lives in North Yarmouth, Maine, USA. The main, That's the main cool. part of the USA. The main part of the USA. <laughs> Corey C, who, uh, hmm, hmm, let's call him. The C or the C stands for center of the earth. Corey, the earth core, core, Corey. I'm not sure that works. Uh, uh. Corey C. Corey C, the main man, because he comes from Maine. Core, he, uh, he sees me. <laughs> I'm not sure that works. <laughs> Corey, Corey, uh, Crow, Corey Crow, Crow. Core, Core, Wow. <laughs> That's better than Centre of the Earth. One out of five. <laughs> At one, at one point, he started doing the impression of a bird for no apparent reason, following several failed attempts to come up with a nickname for one of the listeners. <laughs> Who's reading the letter? I'll read it. You did the last two. Oh, did I? Corey C says, another enjoyable episode. I don't know which one he means. I'm still going through your back episodes only, as I only recently discovered the podcast, but it's really great just listening to such thorough discussions of Marillion-related topics. As a somewhat lapsed Meridian fan who has become really re-energised about them in the past year, I relate to the downward trajectory angle as both my fish fandom and Meridian fandom followed a similar path following the split. Misplaced and clutching literally altered my musical DNA, and although on a subconscious level, I have maybe felt the tiniest bit sheepish about my love of the band. Upon recently re-listening, I still think they are both amazing, wonderful albums. I've decided to proudly embrace them as such and find no shame in listening to them next to The National, PJ Harvey or Elbow or whatever critically lauded band. Incidentally, getting back into Marillion indirectly has led me to discover Stephen Wilson and The Anchoress of late, both of which are really amazing. I need oh, to give the Anchoress, the Anchoress. Yeah, I, I have listened to some and I, I really liked it. Down, it. I need on. to kind of give her um, a bit more of a... Uh, a fair listening because what I have heard I've really enjoyed on date night this weekend we're putting some anchoress on yes let's do it I did like a fair amount of what came after the split but both my Meridian and Fish love generally went slowly downward in spite of some blips I generally think Meridian have fared a little better no doubt partly thanks to Hogarth who is legitimately great but too many moments on too many albums have had at least a song or two and sometimes more that I just wasn't into or felt kind of lame even their best eight-year albums tend to have atmospheric bits that just seem a bit dull or plodding. They're my favourite bits. 
I like those bits. I was listening to an interview yesterday with John Mayer. Oh, yeah. I'm I, not, love, I not, like some of his stuff. I'm not even familiar with his music. Yeah. Um, oh. And he was saying how every album he does tends to have a few songs that he doesn't consider to be as good, mm. but he leaves them in because he goes, he can either spend time trying to make them great, right? but then he won't be able to move forward as quickly. Uh. So it, it's a matter of you have to go leave it as it is and push forward so that you can move to the next album. Otherwise it can take too long. Anyway, I'll k- carry on with uh, Kakari's letter. Uh, as for Fish, I completely agree that the big music that I loved him for with Marillion just wasn't quite there anymore. The emotion and theatrics gave way to mediocrity too often. That being said, I'm also having a parallel journey with the podcast with re-listening to stuff and reassessing. Although I still bought most new Marillion albums when they came out, I'm not sure I fully invested, en- invested enough in them at the time, especially the TSE, Radiation.com, Anorak, No Era. And as I listen to Brave AOS Marbles, there really are there really are many transcendent moments that I didn't give enough of myself to emotionally. I did buy Fear when it came out and I did think it was pretty great, but I also look forward to re-listening to that with new reinvigorated ears. I do think even on those great albums, they would benefit from a little more editing. I would much rather hear an album that is 45 minutes of amazing and nothing else rather than a 60 minute album with the same 45 minutes of transcendence. I get that. Um, oh yeah absolutely it's something in the book mark's book Mm. sorry to go on about it everyone uh but so he does say in there is one of the problems with dave megan is that he does tend to yeah not know when to stop (laughs) with a song which is something that i've been saying you're saying he finds it harder to edit bits out yeah gotta kill your babies yeah which is which has been my complaint with anorakophobia wasn't it if you remember yeah that the songs were too long and i think it's so hard, though, when you have bits that you love to cut them out, even though you know that that would make the overall result more punchy and well, effective. Well, look, there's an argument to be had uh, when we get to Marbles. Very soon, everyone, very soon, when we get to Marbles about Neverland and whether it's too long or not, because oh. Neverland doesn't massively change over its running time. Mm. Maybe we can do an experiment and listen to it Listen to it full length and then listen to it by fast forwarding through. (laughs) (laughs) Cutting out a chunk. I could have a go at editing it down. Yeah, and then see if it flows better. I'm going to see if I can do that. I'd be curious to see. Yeah. Um, Anyway, we'll get to that. I think that is why nothing matches... Anyway, this is back to Kakari's letter. I think that's why nothing matches the magic of the two best fish era albums. Uh, okay, that's interesting. Uh, he thinks there's no filler on the best two fish here. I'm, certainly, I think I'm on. There's, yeah, there's probably no filler on misplaced or clutching. Oh, definitely not. Mm. I've also wondered a bit of late, was Fish's singing on some level more relatable than Hogarth's for me because of the less technicality? H is an amazing singer and writer, no question, but that's just a recent train of thought I had. Upon recently buying Welsh Merts, I did find that it's an album I think is legitimately very good as opposed to feeling I should like it because as with Paul, Fish was sort of a hero of mine back in the day. So hopefully your next episode, which is sure to be critical, ends with a good note. Yes, it did, but we didn't go into a lot of detail about it. 
I can legitimately say that I pre-ordered Marillion's new album instead of waiting for the actual release as a direct result of listening to Beampod, the Lucy episode where she hyped it. There we go. There we go, Lucy. So even though this podcast is no doubt generally preaching to the choir, it can definitely serve to rally up the base, as they say in politics. Thanks for the podcast and best regards. Corey C. from North Yarmouth, Maine. Don't do that. Corey C. from North Yarmouth, Maine. The main part of the USA. Caca! Also, Corey, thank you for the bits of your letter that I didn't read out. They're good ideas. <laughs> That's all right, isn't it? Yes, Paul. Yes. She's not even listening to me anymore. Are you talking to me? Yes, I am. Oh, because I was reading Corey's yeah, letter. There's no one else here. There's no one else in I this room. I thought you were with talking us. to Corey. He's not here either. <laughs> but he's listening. Yeah. So I was reading his suggestions and they're good. Do you want to read the next one? Let's do it. The next one is from our friend Max Dembo. Max Rebo. And he says Max Rebo is my favourite Souls character. Is it? Yeah. Which member of Meridian would be Max Rebo? Mark Kelly, obviously, keyboard player. Oh, yeah. Or Lobot. Okay, only a Star Wars fan would get that. All right. Max says, you guys asked for feedback on Fisher's solo stuff. I don't like it and I don't care. (laughs) That was quick and easy. Still love the podcast, though. Love hearing about why people like things and history of music and bands and artists. The Fish stuff was interesting as I don't know any of his solo career at all, but I'm at least aware in passing of Marillion still being a thing and some of what happened to them in the last 20 years. Fish? No idea. The name Mark Wilkinson is fantastic for AI art. That's artificial intelligence art. I didn't need to spell that out, did I? Nah, not really. The (laughs) Ebra... Really didn't need to spell that out. For For anyone listening at home... For any for any seventy year old grandmothers <laughs> listening at home who doesn't know what AI is, it's artificial intelligence, <laughs> like like robot plane, like robot, like a robot thing. Yeah, he says um, the airbrush stylings make for a very smooth, defined quality image. Good, good. Um, should point out that Max is is one of our listeners who isn't a Meridian fan. We have a few. Yes. Yes, so in, but interesting that he's aware of Marillion, but not Fish continuing on into the modern mm. day, but not so much Fish's solo career. But a lot of people, unfortunately, think Marillion are carrying on and Fish is still in the band. That's true. Yeah. Uh, our next letter is from an anonymous writer, so I don't get to uh, come up with a funny name. No. A known mouse is from. A known mouse. A known mouse. A known mouse. Yeah. Uh, Ah, Mickey. Oh, Mickey! <laughs> hey, both! I'll go! That would be annoying if I did the whole letter like that, wouldn't it? Hey, Especially guys! Especially if the person's gone anonymous for a reason <laughs> and you're, you're reading it in a Mickey Mouse voice. <laughs> I'll go anonymous on this one because it feels unkind to kick a fallen hero. I've debated whether to send this because I'm not sure who it helps. I got into Meridian around the time Vigil was released. For me, Vigil was certainly different to Clutching at Straws, but it was melodic and, most importantly, Fish still had something to say. The musicianship wasn't quite the same, but the tunes were good and Fish's imagery and venom were on full display. Internal Exile was just as good for me. It was angry, at times intense, and it had great melodies. Even the B-side, Poet's Moon, is hummable. I like Poet's Moon. And what's the other one? Carnival Man, that's good as well. 
I ignored the CD of covers. Fish was about him communicating personally to me, not a bunch of dad songs. Although I appreciate most of those bands now. Over time, I just wasn't playing Suits as much as Brave or other bands. Raw Meat seemed to be a glimpse of the old Fish, but the rest of the album was like Fish with the volume turned down. Lyrically, it was muted. The vocal melodies were less interesting and the songs didn't have enough musical ideas to justify their lengths. I did seek out Fish's various acting exploits. I still have a VHS copy of Chasing the Deer somewhere. I was looking forward to the novel or screenplay that was sure to come, but the music kind of lost me. Other than a couple of singles, I didn't buy another Fish release. Fish will always hold a special place for me. He was my teenage hero, just as for Paul. My memory is hazy, but I have this impression of the spell breaking a bit when his email newsletters just seem to recount one disaster to the next. I'd still love to meet him and tell him what his music and words have meant to me. From Anona Mouse. Hee <laughs> hee! I think that, that was a bad. fair letter. Fair. Yeah, that didn't feel like... Unnecessary no. kicking. Not like the three episodes that we did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought yeah. that was quite measured and kind. Yeah. Kind. It was quite kind. Yeah. Next letter is from John Sturm. Strum. That's it. Sturm. That's a good name. Yeah, that's a great name. Yeah, he says at the end it's um it's a surname. Storm. Is is yes, yeah, a German for storm. And one oh, of my good friends in man. Australia has the surname Storm. She does. Yes. She's to... not she's got of Norwegian descent. So oh. I wonder if it it was originally something like Sturm. I used to work with someone who had the surname Slaughter. Oh, that's scary. Mm, he wasn't scary. I'd be scared to have man. that surname. Why? I don't know. It's very violent. Well, you think having a surname is going to influence your behaviour in some yeah, way? Yeah, in some way. That's why well, you're so romantic, because you're a rose. <laughs> and why? you smell nice. Yeah. Well, I'm a prick. Paul! <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. John says, Hello, slightly embarrassing uncle and your female colleague. <laughs> Firstly, thank you both for the show. It's a joy to hear and I really love the balance of new fan and veteran fan viewpoints that create such a wonderful balance of opinion. Secondly, I'm a relatively I'm a relatively newer Marillion fan. Was aware of the band back in the 80s, didn't know much about them past Kaylee. Owned Misplaced and Fugazi, decided to check out the band a bit more, bought Size Matters, jaw fell open, heart fell in love. Hope that's brief enough. <laughs> Which is ironic because cause then John writes another kind of like 2,000 words. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that w- would have been brief enough, John. <laughs> no, I um, just... Yes, and the, the bit that John continues writing about is to do with marbles. And I just wanted to say I have cut and pasted it into our marbles post bag. Have a listen Several several months from now when, we, when we're doing <laughs> yeah. our Marvel Unless you want to write in another one. Post, post bag. John, yeah. but, um, but thank you for your... Oh, he's Welsh, but he lives in... Oh, he's a Welshman living in Germany. Wow, that's but unusual. With a German surname. Oh, yeah. he says he'd like a nickname and I shall wear it as a badge of honour. Well, he got, he got Strum. Oh, Strum. Oh, that's true, true. Good point. Oh. Chang. He got a noise. He got a sound effect. He got a sound effect as a nickname. Mm. The next letter is from Edward Martin. Hmm. Edward Martin in the house. Edward Martin is a vicar. What? He's a vicar. He still deserves a name, a funny name. Well, no, I know. I'm just saying that's that's unusual. 
What's the difference between a vicar and a reverend? Oh, I don't know. Uh, Maybe it's the same thing. He's Father Edward Martin. Because I was going to call him... Vroom, vroom. Maybe reverend Rev your engines. Don't Rev be... your engines, it's Father Edward Martin. <laughs> Don't be irreverent, Paul Rose. Uh, it's too late for that. Okay, uh, I, shall, I shall crack on with uh, vroom booms. So you're just giving sound effects now for pe- yeah. to people for vroom, their vroom. nicknames. Vroom, vroom. It's Father Edward Martin. I've really enjoyed your journey so far through Fish's solo material. It's an up and down, sometimes very down in places story, but we all know that a reasonably happy ending is just around the corner. My first ever Meridian purchase was the Freaks Live single, and after buying the Thieving Magpie, I eagerly awaited the new post-Fish Meridian album and that Fish solo outing, together with the opportunity to see them both live for the first time. Seeing Fish on the full production vigil tour at Nottingham Royal Centre was a tremendous experience. He was full of energy and you could tell that he was chomping at the bit to establish himself as a performer in his own right. The vigil material felt much better live to me and I remember being totally blown away by Frank Usher's solo during Cliché. Great solo. Fish owned the stage and I came away wondering if Mavillian with H could reach such dizzy heights. Next time I saw Fish was on the Internal Exile tour at the same venue. The BBC were recording the gig, and with the promoters having gone bust not long before, the top tier of the venue was empty. I have to say that the performance was certainly not lacking, with the dual guitar version of Incubus being a particular favourite, yes, and the versions of Sugar Mice that he used to do live were great. Incidentally, I know that this version wasn't universally welcomed, and that it eventually spawned the joke, how many guitarists does it take to ruin a Steve Rothery solo? Not fair, I say, but there you have it. Anyhow, I managed to meet Fish for the first time in the hotel foyer after the show, and I have to say that the situation with the tour and money was clearly frustrating him, and I can understand now why he probably didn't have too much time for teenage fans telling him how great he was. He clearly had other things on his mind. The Nevermind the Bullocks EP was somewhat bewildering. I wasn't sure it was a proper Fish release until I got to listen to it. It was okay, as was the album, but being a teenager at the time, I didn't have much of a connection with the material. To me, Fish stroke Marillion was as good and relevant as anything new and contemporary that my friends were listening to. But now Fish was playing stuff that my dad knew more about than I did. Not cool. Anyhow, the next time I caught up with Fish was on the 1993 Outpatients tour at Lincoln Ritz Theatre. He played almost all of Suits as unreleased new material together with other solo highlights, but not a great deal of Marillion stuff. I can remember Incommunicado at least. There were barely 100 people in the venue. Wow, ouch. Ooh, the same, same venue that really? was packed out for Rob Newman and David Baddiel the last time I was there. Afterwards, Fish kindly met with fans who stayed behind, but most of them were older rocker types. What was I saying? Who were reminiscing about having last seen him with Marillion at Milton Keynes in 1986, when I would have been 10 years old. It felt like his crown was slipping. The next Fish gig was something of a rarity. A freebie. He played at a free festival at Nottingham's Woolerton Park in 1995. It was a more stripped-back acoustic set. I have to say, it was a real return to form. Fish was confident and majestic, and songs like Jeepster got a mixed crowd really going. The only downside was my then-girlfriend shouting, I know this one, at the beginning of Kaylee, who sport the other spotless bootleg recording that I made. (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) Oh, oh, that would be awesome. Listening to that back, yeah. that was so good. Funny enough, I used to have a bootleg recording of the Milton Keynes gig. Did you? And what, on, that you recorded? Yeah. And on there, I've it, no, no, not that I recorded. I never did it. Um, that I'd bought 
this is weird actually now to think about it because he talked about seeing fish in Lincoln. I bought that Milton Keynes bootleg in Lincoln. Yeah. Um, and at Lincoln Market. Oh, is that when you were there with your girlfriend? Okay, yeah. You were holding hands with walking around Lincoln. Uh, why are you bringing this up? <laughs> Just because that's what I think about when you mention Lincoln. Well, she's dead now. So how oh, now? How cool. do you feel? That sounds awful. <laughs> well, she is. <laughs> she died. So <laughs> you can put your jealousy back in its box. <laughs> <laughs> not like a long time ago. Oh no, that sounds even worse. You're not helping yourself, are you? See, if you hadn't brought that up. Oh God! Yeah. Sounds so bad. Shall I explain for the yeah, people listening at home? Yeah, please explain because so here's it here's awful. here's a funny thing. My daughter's husband lives in the same village that, that my girlfriend that I went out with when I was like fifteen. <laughs> my girlfriend that I went out with fifteen lived in. So when we were up visiting my daughter's in-laws right at the start of the pandemic, uh, when we were still allowed to see people. Or before it was just before, before it kicked yes, off. Yes, it was just before lockdown. The first it was before lockdown. lockdown, we went up to, to the town that that she came from in Lincolnshire and looked her up on Facebook, and lo and behold, she died. Um, and yes, Sanya still feels threatened. In some way. <laughs> <laughs> Enough to bring it up in a Marillion podcast when I'm talking about a uh, welcome to the garden party bootleg. <laughs> How about that? Threatened by her ghost. As I was saying, on that bootleg, mm. uh, when they play script for Jester's Tears, someone in the audience shouts, oh, I love this song. Or <laughs> <laughs> <I laughs> not shouts, or like she that. just says to her boyfriend or whoever she's right. with, this woman, oh, I love this I love one. this one. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I, li- I used to like those moments in Yeah, it adds character. I always remembered that. Anyway, back to Ed's letter. I parted, uh, after that, I parted company with Fish and my girlfriend. It was only, of course, she ruined his bootleg. <laughs> uh, I, I wonder if he's, if he's got a wife that's jealous. That <laughs> but... <laughs> talks about that bootleg. <laughs> you still got that bootleg, I see. <laughs> Bet she's not even dead yet. <laughs> Paul. Uh, it was only after a chance invitation from my older brother to see him in York on the 13th Star Tour that reignited my love for the big man. I went with zero expectations and very little knowledge of much that he'd done since the mid-90s. I bought Sunsets but shelved it after one listen. I have to say, I was more than pleasantly surprised. With the, with the music mostly taken from the Clutching at Straws and 13th Star, it was a really strong set and the, and the new material really stuck in my mind. The renditions of the Marillion era songs were the strongest I'd heard him do in years. And the minute it was over, I was out at the merch stand picking up the new album. Since then, I've bought every new release, attended every tour and even started taking my daughter along to the gigs. If Fish is really calling it a day now, then he's certainly finishing on a high and I for one will miss him. His voice has seemed stronger in recent years and his band seemed to know how to capture the essentials of the Marillion material, even when playing it in much lower keys. He seems much happier, and that makes a huge difference. I'm really looking forward to the last Straw CD when it comes out. Uh, that's a live CD of the Clutching of Straws tour that he did, in case you're wondering. I'll be very interested to hear what you think of it. Apologies that this is long and rambling. That's all right, Ed. Wasn't it? Yes. Um, I, I wanted to say, if Fisher's really calling it a day now, then he's certainly, certainly finishing on a high. Yes, I agree. He is. He is. Yeah. He is. Yes. For Welsh sure. Welsh Mertz, without a shadow of a doubt. Even Sanya saying it. 
Even I'm saying it. So our next one, which I'm also going to read, is once again from our friend Mark Gryffindor Griffin. He's already had one letter this week, so he's not getting the whole <laughs> this read out. Um, but this one, it's about fish again uh i'll just jump to the end where he says to sum up since the split i've seen meridian over 50 times and fish five which leaves no doubt as to who i've enjoyed the most fish lost me at one point substandard albums and his constant moaning and complaining in the press and the talk of cunning plans that didn't really go anywhere didn't help either but i'm pleased that he now seems happier in his personal life and has produced some fine work since the rock bottom that was fellini days something else i mentioned to you earlier mm. um I've got to be slightly careful here because I don't have a copy of this interview, but I um, I do recall an interview with Mick Wall, probably from Kerrang, shortly after the split, where Mick Wall had been up to visit Fish in Scotland, and I'd asked Fish how the relative difficulty of getting hold of cocaine right. uh, had had affected him. Yeah. And I remember it hitting me like a absolute slap in the face because at that point I was still relatively young. Mm. Yeah, you know, I wasn't very rock and roll, never had been. And I suppose I I missed a lot of the drug references on the albums or certainly when they were overt, I thought, can't be about fish, surely. You know, really? I, I, weirdly, this is going to sound really stupid and hypocritical. I remember the when I first discovered that he smoked and I was a, appalled. <laughs> oh, really? Even yeah. though he was a rock star. I know. Because uh, he came on stage. It would have been more surprising that he didn't smoke. I know, but he came on stage at one of the Wembley Arena gigs. I think it might even have been the one that Prince Edward was at. Mm. Uh, and he came on stage with a cigarette and went, oh, shit, I'm not going to smoke on stage and quickly got rid of it. But I was like, what, what the fish smokes? I can't believe it. Really? Um, wow. I also remember the first time I discovered he was Scottish and that was that was a shock, even though he was quite clearly heavily Scottish. Yeah, he doesn't, on, uh, he doesn't hide on misplaced the fact. Childhood. I know. I know. I don't know why. I, it, it, not that I was damning him for that, but the, the, the cigarette smoking was a bit, oh, okay, well, fine. He smokes, even though, you know, my mother did at the time and yeah, pretty much everyone in my life did. Pretty much everyone did back then. And then, but then the fact that Mark McWall kind of asked him about cocaine so sort of directly, but casually as well, mm. um, that that not being able to get it would have a sort of impact on his life in yeah, some way. which kind of insinuates uh, that he was using it quite regularly. It seemed to imply that, doesn't mm. it? And and I remember that being disappointed, hugely disappointed. And that was quite early on in his solo career. And then on top of that, I think he then responded either to that question or a different one, talking about how he went on stage clear-headed and sober recently for the first time and what a great experience that was. And it just made me think, what, so other times I've seen you live, you weren't? Mm. And both those things just disappointed me. It that's, Even though, like, it... It's quite common. In, For rock stars. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But you put your heroes on a pedestal, don't you? Mm. And on some level, I suppose... On some level, I suppose... There's a degree of, I don't know, projection with a hero. Mm. It's like why in... this is I'm going to get really um, 
this is going to sound like I've gone completely off bloody beam here. But it's why characters in, in like Star Wars and Harry Potter, why the main characters are so dull mm. relatively yes. compared to like a Han Solo or something, is because they, they're they the audience identification figures. They're, the, the hero at they're the like centre. They're like a blank, yeah. blank slate that you can project yourself into because their place. Because we do it, yes. So they, you know, yeah. my hero We is, do it unconsciously almost. My favourite character in Star Wars as a kid was Luke Skywalker. As an adult, it's Han Solo, oh, you know. Right. So, um, but... As a kid, it, it that that's oh, that's as a kid, what it mine did. was Yoda. And in some respect, yo, what? Okay. I loved Yoda. Well, that says everything. Uh, what does that say? Well, oh yeah, he was wise, and then he was self-help books and <laughs> yeah, that's true. crystals and things. <laughs> I know. See, Yoda wanted to be a Jedi, but um, now I am. Now you are. You actually are. What? No, I, oh. I wish. But um, and I suppose I was doing something similar with fish, and this mm. this isn't he isn't at fault for this. Yeah, years later now that I'm I'm an adult, you know I'm not doing that projection hero worship thing or putting anyone on a pedestal, mm-hmm. and I kind of go, well, he's entitled to live his life however he wants. Yeah. But back then, yeah, it was I suppose tying back into those episodes of of. You know, what led to me drifting away from fish? It was stuff like that. Is it because he wasn't that you couldn't quite identify as much with yes. him? Yeah, he felt anymore. like he was a you know, and again, when I talked about the types of people that you got at the gigs, mm. that I didn't feel like my tribe, right? Um, right, and fish so may- certainly didn't feel like my tribe. I was just about to say yeah. that maybe he didn't feel like maybe you didn't feel like you belonged in the same tribe as him anymore. Yeah, okay. Our next letter is from Stephen Homebase Wicks. <laughs> We'd like to buy some flooring soon from we your would. store. Yeah, if anyone listening to this has got, um, I'm really poor at the moment, and if anyone has got any uh, coupons, well, or they're doing for they're flooring. doing a buy one <laughs> get one half price currently. So that's good value. That's good value, okay. Um, Stephen says, Hi, Paul and Sanya. I thought I'd add my tuppence to the comments you have requesting, you have requested regarding Fish and your recent episodes. On the one hand, Marillion's legacy to the wider public will always be Kaylee and misplaced childhood. No amount of harping on by people like me about how great they are with H will ever reach the wider public. I have no doubt that the band would not have been successful without Fish and they wouldn't be playing the venues they are now or the fans' weekends without the initial success he helped the band achieve. It makes me a bit annoyed when H is offhand about the music they made with Fish. Not only does H get a share of the royalties, his career has been built on the back of the success the band had with Fish. I guess that's what bothers him. On the other hand... Fisher's solo career has been largely a disappointment. I love Vigil and Sunsets, quite like the shortbread tin album of the 13th star. <laughs> Is that the Penguin one? Um, no. Uh, shortbread tin album? Is that Sunsets Oh, shortbread tin album and 13th star. Yeah. But the rest is all a bit meh to me. When he split from the band, I was firmly in Fisher's camp. His live performances were excellent in the early solo years. That was until I saw him play a half-empty hall at Leeds Uni on the songs from the Mirror Tour and he was not in good shape. He stumbled about the stage and looked like he'd rather be somewhere else. Oh, that's really sad. Mm. 
I've since seen him on the two misplaced childhood tours. The one pre-op wasn't great and the one post-op was excellent. The clutching tour and the one where he took requests. I quite enjoyed all of these gigs, but only in the same way I enjoy seeing a good tribute band. Ouch. I think he exemplifies why an artist needs a manager. His whole solo career has been one misstep after another. While he may not have caused many of the issues he has faced, a good manager could have helped prevent them from happening in the first place. As we saw when Marillion were in between John Arneson and Lucy Jordash. That's actually a good point. Yeah. Um, it's pretty much impossible for a rock band to manage themselves and be successful. Fisher's tale is a sad one and perhaps a cautionary one for up-and-coming artists. I'm pleased there is no chance of him performing with the band again. If they toured, I wouldn't go. My memories of those amazing gigs in the 80s are too precious to me. Keep up the good work, along with Radio Free Scaro. You're my favourite <laughs> podcast friends. Cheers, Homebase. Ah, Homebase is another Doctor Who fan, huh? Which is interesting because we've got a letter, I believe, coming up from um, Paul Kirkley, haven't we? Ah, yeah. yes, we do. Uh, yes, we, <laughs> yes do. we do. Who uh, writes for Doctor Who magazine. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with him. I th- I hadn't thought of that before, but Fish really needed someone who could just handle that side of things. Yeah. Let him focus give, on his, his private life. Yeah. And maybe give him some objective advice. Mm. So not be a yes man to him or whatever, but sort of say... Uh, maybe it's not a good idea to do that or maybe it would be better to go in this direction. Would he have taken it though? That's the question. Oh yeah, that's true. Once he once he went solo, having uh, you know, perhaps fallen out so badly with John Arneson, would he have been willing to, to you know, for someone to, to have that level of yeah, talk back That's with a good him? point. Mm. Um but yeah, you know, Stephen's absolutely right. Yeah, look look at Marillion in the years between their two managers and that was when it all went, well, not pear-shaped for them, but it certainly got close. Because Mark Kelly, again, sorry to mention the book, talks about it in the book about how, you know, the kind of venues they were having to play and mm. how he thought all that was behind them. Yeah. I mean, because I guess it's like, you know, they already have to focus on the creative side. That takes a lot. Mm. That takes a lot of energy. And then to have to pull your brain over to the left hemisphere or whatever and try and focus on organising logistics, it, it's a big ask yeah. of anyone. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> what's done is done. What's done is done. He's retired now. Has, has he actually officially retired? He's retired from recording albums. Now he just oh, wants true. to yeah, sit in his writing room and write responses to other band members' autobiographies. Yeah, are you right, Sonia? Yeah. What's that face for? I'm just saying now you're doing it. Our next letter is from Mark Borden. Bor. Bar. What? Really? <laughs> I'm trying. You I'm can't the, come uh, up with anything <laughs> better than that. I told you you're doing sound effects this week. Okay, I was just seeing what formed. If I started doing a noise, I just was wondering what might... Come out of it. Borden. 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 It's a ma. It's about Mr. Bell Pet. What? Oh. <laughs> oh, Mr. Bell Pet, your legs are so swollen. Right. So, Mark, Mr. Bell Pet Borden. I'll never remember that. 
says, thanks for covering the fish solo stuff. It really got me thinking about what a roller coaster ride it has been uh, and reminded me of how I felt when the first few solo albums landed. Following the Meridian split, I was definitely on the fish side. I went to the Town and Country Club to see his pre-vigil tour and thought it was brilliant. I was there, probably. Fish was full of energy, charisma and confidence. All the new songs sounded great and the old Meridian tracks like Punch and Judy sounded fresh. It filled me with great anticipation for what the big man would deliver in his solo career. Vigil came out and I thought it was a really great starter album. It had the epic fish opening prog track in Vigil and also the classic lyrical ballad A Gentleman's Excuse Me, which for me was as good as anything on Clutching. A very solid beginning. Then came Internal Exile, which I was really confused by. (laughs) I tried to love the single Internal, but couldn't quite bring myself to really believe in it. I thought Credo was good, but something in the air was a total perplexing mystery. Shadow Play was the highlight on the album, but the overall mixture of styles with tracks like Favourite Stranger and Dear Friend sounded out of place. Lucky could have been genuinely great, but seemed to just miss the mark. Strangely, the saving grace from my perspective were the B-sides. For me, Poet's Moon was miles better than anything that was on the album, and Carnival Man would definitely have made a great album closer. He still did good B-sides back in the day, I have to say. Another song I like to visit was thrown away on a b-side was um a song called black canal that's really different uh, and he just basically talks it oh, right. um recites a sort of song lyric or recites a kind of poem for, i guess for him yeah yeah it does work uh so i've put together an alternate version of internal that sounds more coherent to me including some of the re-recordings and b-sides uh mark you're a massive nerd <laughs> And I love you for it. Here's his alternative internal exile. Shadow Play, the original version. Poet's Moon, the B-side of Credo. I think we all agree that Poet's Moon and Carnival Man probably should have been on there. So track three, Credo, the Yang re-recording. Don't know if it's better than the original. Favourite Stranger, alternative recording. Uh, Yeah, might be slightly better. Internal Exile, the alternative recording. Is that the one from... The Vigil in the Wilderness and Mirrors sessions. Again, not convinced it's better. Lucky the Yang recording. Yeah, might be better. Just Good Friends featuring Sam Brown. Definitely better. Tongues, the original version. And Carnival Man, the B-side of Internal Exile. Yes. Not a bad track listing. Um, And then he says, Then came Songs from the Mirror. I didn't know what to make of it at all. Again, there are other fish covers out there that I thought were better than the material on the album. The best of these was Time and a Word by yes which is great great version of that song from the outpatients album again i felt like this album of covers would benefit from a rethink here's an alternative songs from the mirror faith healer which he had been singing at gigs since 1989 uh time and a word from outpatients something in the air from internal don't know fearless question i know what i like five years the best song on the album maybe but is it better than the bowie original uh, i don't think so the Seeker from Outpatients don't like Fish's version of The Seeker, I have to say, because I don't like what he does vocally on it. And Caledonia, um, which is all right. I have many thoughts on the emotional roller coaster ride that is the rest of the Fish catalogue, but I fear this is already in the too long to read category. Hey, look, Mark, you're in good company this week. Everyone's written far too long an email, and we've still got two more, three more, four more to go. Jesus Christ, people. I don't think they've been too long. We've had a couple of long ones. Mm. Yeah, I want to do an episode on um, I, uh, track listings and mm. whether whether you could re- 
order some Meridian albums to mm. improve them. We've talked yeah. about it. Still want to do that. Yes. All right. What well, do you want to do the next? Yes. Letter? Our next letter is from Paul James T. Kirkley. Who uh, I've been reading in uh, this month's Doctor Who magazine. Ah. Talking to nerds. Okay. And Paul says, hope you're well. I wanted to say a huge thank you for the fish episodes. Genuinely three of the most gripping podcasts I've ever heard. Gripping. With loads of background info and context that I either didn't know or had forgotten about. Well, that's a relief because we didn't know whether they were too heavy. Mm, yeah, they probably were. They probably, Yeah, they were quite heavy, but it, yeah, still informative and interesting. Um, Paul's journey with Fisher's solo career broadly mirrors my own, so I also found the episodes hugely relatable. Like Paul, Fish was my idol when I was a teenager, and I was fully invested in him as a solo artist in the early years. But it quickly became apparent that, not being a musician himself, he was entirely at the mercy of his collaborators. And, with the possible exception of Mickey Simmons, he clearly just didn't have access to anyone with Meridian's songwriting chops. I know Fish largely takes credit for the vocal melodies on the first four Meridian albums, but... Cat's coming in. Yes, Tolly. Yeah, you come to listen to Paul Kirkley's letter. <laughs> but, without the band to create that musical bed, it... Okay, Cat's just opening Cat's the other smashing door. his way through. <laughs> he is. He literally is. But without the band to create that musical bed, even this gift just seemed to desert him. The episodes were quite a difficult listen, given the endless psychodrama that has been Fisher's life and career for the past three decades. But you do get the feeling that he's, he's his own worst enemy a lot of the time. And his constant faith that a major career rejuvenation was just around the next corner is as heartbreaking as it is delusional. Like the fact he thought he could clear his debts if he could just sell 600,000, 600,000 copies of the next Emphasis album. Emphasis there was Paul's, by the way. But I think Sanyo added a little something to it. <laughs> it's true, though. Um, I feel bad for the rotten luck he's had. But a little humility wouldn't go amiss at times. Even on Welchmertz, he's still self-mythologising himself as a warrior poet. Okay, here's another thing. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, read to the end and then I've got... Yeah. Okay. Modesty clearly doesn't forbid. But at the same time, I've just started reading Mark Kelly's autobiography, where it's clear that it's Fisher's cast iron confidence and will to power determination that drove much of Merlion's early success in the first place. So maybe you can't have one without the other. I also agree with Paul that the audiences at Fish gigs feel quite different to Merlion ones, much more denim and leather and people who probably make their own super strength homebrew. <laughs> I wonder if that's anything to do with the feminising influence Steve Hogarth brought to Mullion. You said exactly the same thing. I wonder that myself. Let's talk about that at the end after okay, his letter because yeah. there's a couple of things in there I want to yeah. talk about. So, yeah, I do feel sad that Fish didn't go on to have the huge career I hoped he would in 1989. And while some of that is undoubtedly down to a run of impossibly bad luck, at the end of the day, it's hard not to conclude that Marillion 
have prevailed because they're just better. And that includes, whisper it, better lyrics. So sorry, fish. Despite everything, I do still love you, you big Egypt. And I can't wait to read the autobiography. So get a wriggle on with that, would you? From Paul's James T. Kirkley. There we go. Firstly, let's just talk about the um, the lack of humility. <laughs> uh, so, so interviewing Mark Kelly was how humble he is. Mm. You know, he almost, it was almost difficult to get him to to say anything positive about Marillion <laughs> times. He was much clearly much more comfortable saying about the things that he didn't like on albums more so than things that he did like. Mm. Um, which, of course, Fish is not like that. Fish is kind of everything's brilliant if it involves him. And so let's, let's just talk about that specific Welsh Burt's line. The... Please let me introduce myself. I'm simply a man of our time. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I am a grey-bearded warrior, a poet of no mean acclaim. My words are my weapons that I proffer with disdain. Now, those are bad words. I'm sorry, I'm saying it. Fish has written some fantastic lyrics in his time. But the proffer with disdain, oh my God. I mean, that's like stuff that I was writing when I was 14. But regardless of that, that's... I'm, Apart from that being a really, really poor lyric. The whole grey-bearded warrior poet made no mean acclaim. When I heard that, my response was, oh, mate. It's like when he kind of, you know, uh, what did he sing on cliche? I've got a reputation of being a man with a gift of words, a romantic poetic type, or so they say. I mean... <laughs> who writes about themselves? Or so I say. Who writes about themselves like that? It's a. It sort of lacks a bit of self awareness, doesn't it? Mm. I know yeah, you're biting you your tongue because you feel that every time fish is mentioned, you 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 go out of control. <laughs> no, I'm sure. Well, I'd like to be fair on him. Um, who writes about the... themselves like that? Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? It's definitely not humble. I mean, but who who considers themselves? A grey-bearded warrior. Is I mean, he? generally... Oh, I really don't want to... Sorry, I know I'm making this hard for you. I want to be you. more balanced. I really do, which means I need to find good okay, things Okay, you don't to have to be well. balanced in everything in life. Some things... I know, but I just feel like I've been tipped slightly to not being as kind in my opinions recently towards fish. Look, we've already started getting so, one out of five reviews. You might, you know... <laughs> <laughs> you might as well and just, that's only because you, you you have to give one star, you can't give zero. Yeah, you can't give zero. You might as well double um, down on these. I know, but it's like, you know, I do appreciate all his work with Marillion in the early days. I really genuinely, genuinely do. I do think he is a very magnetic performer, um, he's got a wonderful stage presence. But? I can't remember now. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. You could leave it at that. Yeah. Look, this is really hard, okay? Just, okay, let's just leave it at that. And the other thing, yeah, I wanted to talk about was the thing that you brought up a few weeks ago and I thought this is off mic mm. when we weren't recording about how uh, H's energy is, is feminine and Fish is very much masculine. Mm. And 
Oh, I'm not saying like H is and H has more feminine energy in him. He's also got masculine energy. Yeah, yeah. But that but was why more... fish gigs yes. and Meridian gigs feel so very different. Yes. And I feel I don't know if the music also balanced out Fish's masculine energy in the early days with Marillion. Maybe the music had some more of those feminine energy qualities. But with H, I compared to Fish's solo career, Marillion with H, their music, I feel I can connect with it more easily and I can relate to it more easily. And I don't know if it's because of that. Yeah, I but I I'm the same. I connect with H's lyrics far more than I do Fish's lyrics. I'm certainly not not going to connect with a lyric where the person singing is referring to themselves as a, a poet and a warrior and blah yeah. blah blah. I'm not going to connect to that. Frankly. And it, it's not just but, that; it's also the music because it's like it, yeah. listening to the complexity and layers in the music with Marillion. And, and I'm adding like, that to I'm adding that to feminine energy in a way. Again, I'm not talking about gender or anything. I'm talking about like yin and yang kind of things. Yang being kind of bold, blunt, mm. high contrast. Yin kind of being more complex and layered and fluid. Yang being more solid. There is a lot of that yin energy in Marillion's music. So it's not just the lyrics. It isn't just the lyrics. It's also the delivery of those lyrics. And it's also the delivery. And it's also additionally... Fish Fish has often been uh, praised, or at least when people speak in kind of um, positive terms about his lyrics, they're often, you know, he's often described as angry and venomous. And it's like, but if that's all you are 75% of the time, that's really off-putting. But the thing is, when it was done with the music of those the early Marillion days, it worked. Mm, it did because yeah. I reckon the music did balance that out. It mm. complemented in a, in a way that it didn't. The anger didn't overwhelm the song. Yeah, and I'm saying that without having listened to a lot of his solo stuff. So I'm actually just you know talking rubbish here well i was trying but to think. i've heard enough of his solo stuff that i felt i didn't feel i could really engage with it on but I, I was level. trying to think here's the thing right so both fish and h went through marital troubles similar sort of times you know like fishes just carried on and on but yeah they both had tricky marriages as we know and i was i was trying to think of, of was there an example of uh, an H lyric where he was angry, you know, about either that situation or frankly about, you know, anything other than perhaps things in the world like Gaza mm. or something like that. And the only relationship songs that, that seemed to relate to relationships that we knew about that he was having that, uh, that were ones where he was blaming himself for it going wrong. Mm. And, that seemed to sort of display so much more self-awareness. But maybe that's because if you, you know, a lot of psychologists say anger is a is an emotion that is, it's always because of something else. There's there's always a layer beneath it, yes. which often is sadness. So if you're still at the, the layer of anger, you're not going deeper to see what's causing that. 
Yeah. So maybe the fact that H could go to a deeper level meant that he did have a bit, a little bit more self-awareness. Mm. Possibly anyway, just speculating. Um, anyway, thank you for your letter, Paul. So next one is from our good friend. The next two are from our friend, Mark Dimples Bailing. He's given himself that name. Mm. Well, and you you think that's not fair? I they... give. I give. Oh, oh, right. Only you can give the nicknames. Yeah. I see. Paling into insignificance. No, I never said he is in insignificance. Mark, next next to to our friendship with you, everything is paling into insignificance. There you go. There, there you go. Do you go. like that? Yeah. I mean, it's a bit of a long-winded nickname, whereas Dimples are short and punchy. Oh, fine, Dimples. Or if we're sticking with the sound effects thing. <laughs> yes, I know it was juvenile, dear. <laughs> well, you two, that was a great episode. Don't know which one you mean. To be honest, my heart sank a little with the news that another few episodes were going to be scheduled in before Marbles. But actually, this is the perfect time for Fish Solo section. Mark, do you want us to... to Stop broadcasting this podcast altogether because that's what risks happening if we get to stuff too soon. We've got to drag it out. We we race through those early albums far too quickly. <laughs> We're taking our time now. We're taking the scenic route. As I've said before, I went fish solo when Meridian split and therefore can strongly resonate with this week's episode. I, I think I think this was after the first uh, fish episode. Yeah. Letter. I was a huge fan, but during those earlier solo albums, you could feel the slide from stardom on an almost album by album basis, but somehow that galvanized my support. I saw Fish play live on dozens of occasions during those first few albums, and for me, his presence on stage didn't diminish, but sadly, you could see the crowd sh- shrinking almost gig by gig, finishing for me with the Suits tour in Cambridge where the crowd was minimal at best, but he still gave a killer performance. Disappointing as it was to witness, it made me and others, I suspect, recognise that we were part of the remaining hardcore and we were going to give him every bit of support we could muster. We will disagree on individual albums and tracks, as is the want of Fish and Meridian fans, but Vigil, an almost perfect introduction. Internal, always love this album. I do understand why it doesn't always get the favourable reviews and maybe as an album in its entirety it doesn't come together as one, but with the exception of Tongues, the track listing is killer song after killer song. Songs, almost as above, I wanted to hear new Fish material so a covers album wasn't ideal, but the track selection really worked for me. I know you don't agree. Uh, no, that's not strictly true. I think they're good. They're all good songs. I don't think I disagree with any of the choices, just that I don't think Fish betters the originals. Um, I'm struck that the covers weren't just current pop hits, uh, but key tracks that meant a lot to Fish in his earlier years. The tour with this was outstanding as captured on Sushi. Suits, this one was a mixed bag for me. Some of my all-time favourite fish tracks exist here, uh, along with tracks that just don't work for me, i.e. Fortune's Raw Meat Pipeline. As Bianpo would leave this part of Fish's career, I was full-on engaged and waving the fish flag any way I could. A.G. Marillion, no chance. Ooh, well, he came around. So he also then sent another uh, email. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, after our third fish episode, where he said, "Just finished Fish Wars three. And wanted <laughs> to add to name. my that's a good name fish for Wars. it. Yeah, wanted to add to my previous points. That was a great trio to summarise Madman's view of the fish era. That's me. I think he's referring to me, isn't it? That's a good nickname for you, Madman. Yeah, I know you disagree because you think you're like really 
normal. Okay, no, here's my issue, right? When people say I'm strange, strange to me means like Jimmy Savile or someone like that. That's someone who's fundamentally strange. Well, I've I, just wouldn't, got... I wouldn't use the word strange for him. Well, that's... that's No, strange, I think, is uh, a nice term. People would he describe doesn't... him as a bit odd. And, oh, and well, Gary Glitter was odd or eccentric or whatever. All these bloody celebrity paedophiles of all ter- all all weird and strange. I don't think generally, if you met me in the street, you'd think I was strange. No, that is true. That's someone who's strange That's is like true. fundamentally strange. I can I... act strange because I find it funny. That's different, I think, to being strange at your core. Okay, fair enough. I'll give you that. That's, that's my a point. Good point. That's, that's why. A good point. That's why I get a little bit not offended, but a little bit. What do you mean? Do I come across like a creepy, no, strange? No, not at all. But I wouldn't call those creepy guys strange. I'd use far stronger language. Well, yeah, but um, but before anyone knew all the stuff about them, they were considered a bit strange. Okay, well, yeah. No, fair, so which is you know, why I don't like point. it. You you can act strange, but. No, fundamentally, <laughs> you are quite level-headed and sane. Thank you. Yes, thank you for saying that instead of concurring. I when... meant it as I've, I've always meant it as a compliment that you I think laterally. Unique. You're unique. It kind of means the same thing. Doesn't but... mean the same thing. Strange is like oh, it's strange. Okay. Well, we mm. have different relationships with that word, so. So that's my issue. Yeah, okay. You we see why use, now? We won't use that word anymore. Strange sense of humour. I can say that I've got a strange sense of humour. but yeah, that's strange, true. Strange implies that the entirety of me strange. When someone says, you are strange, mate, like Eli did that time. Yeah, right. you are strange. That implies that I'm just strange, like, holistically. And I kind of think a lot, no, of, no. A lot of what I am You're is not. really normal and boring. I think, I think at your core, you're very... Um, I don't know. I don't have the right word for it because I don't want to say normal. <laughs> Why do you want to call me normal? No, because what does that even mean? Yeah. Uh, I think you're very... Ordinary. No, not ordinary. I mean, like, I mean something like clear-headed and grounded. Oh, okay. Grounded. There you go. There are, I think you're you. very grounded at your core, very grounded, probably more than people would expect seeing your work. But... You definitely have a strange sense of humour. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> there, there we go. Back to... Uh, <laughs> I don't mind being called a madman. That's fine. <laughs> that I like. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> so, just wanted to say that it was a great trio to summarise Madman's view of the fish era and the ultimate des- demise of the love. I don't agree with a lot of the reviews of the music. Field of Crows is outstanding, in my opinion. Numbers, Rookie, Old Crow, etc. However, I do fully agree with the heartfelt rationale as to how, how things started breaking down. I have similar feelings and can't disagree with what Paul has said, as it all sounds too familiar to me. However, for me, it isn't so overriding as to put me off fish, and certainly not strong enough for me not to go and see him live. He was my childhood hero also, but through all of the diversity and struggles... He has kept pushing forward, sometimes under extreme circumstances, and this is something that I would really admire. I do too, actually, uh, but I do have more to say about that in a moment. I've not been a fan of the multiple different band lineups over the years, as this seems to change the music direction album by album, but I do understand it, and for every release, there was always some killer tracks. I'm not the mega fan I was a few years back, but Fish Music will always hold a special place for me. 
get up PS get on with the start of Marvels or we won't get to the end of the catalogue until 2024 is that what you want you want us to be <laughs> over do you is that what you want is it um yeah I, I do admire it but also sometimes you kind of want to say to someone just stop the fight stop being a warrior you know stop pushing forward oh, through maybe adversity. That's he, sorry, I interrupted. I talked you did? You. Yeah, that's all right. No, do you want to say what you were saying? No, no, I'm boring myself already. No, say, finish the, say that sentence again. Uh, yes, I do, I, I, I do admire the pushing through extreme circumstances, but I also, as we discussed in recent episodes, I just wonder whether pushing in that direction was really what he should have been doing or wanted to be doing. Wanted to be deep doing. down, yes, and whether he, if a change of direction, might have sort of navigated around a lot more of those extreme circumstances. Yeah, possibly, but maybe that's what he meant when he called himself a warrior. That he battles through. Oh, adversity. he does, and he's still standing, and that that makes sense. And that, yeah, yeah he definitely deserves that label in in that. Yeah, in that area. All right. Thank you, Mark. Can we meet up for beer or something soon? Damaged meet up? Let's do yeah. That. Last it's been letter. ages. Last letter. Our last letter is from Brendan Norrie. Norination Street. Norination Street. And he says, Hi, Paul and Sanya. Brendan from New Zealand here. Your most southern... I was going to say your, your southernmost listener. No, but I think the way he wrote it works better. Your most southern listener. Coronation Street. Really, Paul? Yes, we do get Coronation Street down here in New Zealand. Although I always preferred EastEnders. When EastEnders would come on in Australia on ABC, it was after like all the fun kids shows, right? I think it was on about at about six. Right. Right after either Danger Mouse or Banana Man. <laughs> and um, I'd get all excited because I'd see the Thames logo and then EastEnders would start and my heart would sink and I'd be like, why does anyone watch this and turn <laughs> off? Because I just wanted more kids' shows. Oh, well, yeah, it was famously depressing. This is, this is when I was 25. <laughs> no, <laughs> joking. Um, okay. So, Fish and his solo career, where to start? I agree with most of what you said, Paul, with the exception of Field of Crows, which is an album I really like. Tinny production aside, maybe as someone who likes a bit of blues rock, I thought it was a good album and I loved the ending of Scattering Crows. Really powerful. I like Vigil, some really strong songs there, and Fish was writing some strong lyrics exploring some topical themes. Politics with State of Mind, Greed and Money with Big Wedge, and Domestic Violence with Family Business. All in a cracker. Not so keen on Tongues, a very patchy album, but considering where his head was at, I'm not surprised. It was a very bitter and angry album. Songs in the Mirror, apart from the outwork, love the Godler painting. Why, Fish, why? Suits I really like, probably because I was living in London when it came out and I saw it live at the Croydon Fairfield Hall in 1993. He played a lot of tracks from the yet-to-be-released album. I think I meant to say I saw him live. Who cares? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I care. Um, from memory, Mr. Ni- 
1470 Jumpsuit City, Emperor's Song and Pipeline. I think there were more, but these are the ones I can remember. And I was blown away by the power of the songs live. So I have always had a soft spot for this album. Sunsets on Empire, I really love. Love the production and how the songs leap out from my stereo speakers. But after after that, it was slim pickings for quite some time. Apart from Plague of Ghosts and Incomplete, Rain Gods with Zippos is not much really and don't get me started on Fellini, Fellini days. Apart from Long Cold Day and Tiki 4, there's not much there. Although if you pre-ordered it, you got a live disc, uh, Fellini Nights, and that was good, and shows the Fellini Days songs in a better light, in a live setting, although you could hear Fish struggling with his voice. Then Field of Crows, which I mentioned earlier, I like and felt Fish was moving upwards again. 13th Star is a great album, possibly his best in my mind, and I wonder, does Fish need to get his heart really broken to produce a strong album and lyrical theme? Maybe. But I love 13th Star, not a duff track on it, and Arc of the Curve really deserved radio airplay because it is a great song and very hummable. A Feast of Consequences is an okay album with some interesting tracks and I don't mind the Highwood Suite, but it depends on my, my mood. Welchmert is a brilliant album for him to finish with and as a fan I was relieved to hear him release a strong album to finish his career with. When I think about Fish and the crap he has endured during his solo career, unfortunately a lot of it is his own making due to the decisions he has made. And it is unfortunate that is unfortunate that he never had the success that maybe he deserved. But he seems genuinely happy now with his garden and new wife, so hopefully he will now knuckle down and write the memoir he's been talking about for ages. I'm sure it will be a cracking read. Happy New Year to you both, and I look forward to continuing the journey through the Marillion catalogue with you both. Kia kaha, Brendan. Well, I'm sick of talking about fish. How about that? I don't want to talk about it. Who anymore. knew that day would ever come? I'm sick of talking about. Well, we might have to if he releases an autobiography. Oh, that would be fine by then. We will have to, uh, which I'd be eager to read. We would have to do an episode on mm. his book. I hope he doesn't overwrite it. What does that mean? Well, what I loved about Mark Kelly's book is it was a real easy read. Yeah. I, I hope Fish doesn't decide that his first. Uh, literary work needs to he needs to show off like be over complicated with its Mm, words I hope he doesn't do that and just tells the story as plainly as he can I mean I imagine it will be very similar to his posts Mm. yes I'm sure it will be similar to his posts (laughs) in all sorts of ways Mm. so look let's move on I feel like I've had I've had my fill of fish I'm, mm. I, I'm, I'm no longer pescatarian. I'm, wow. Fish is off the menu. Oh. Fish is Fish off the menu. Fish and chips for dinner tonight then? I would actually. <laughs> oh, really? Seriously, could we? I suppose. There's only three of us here. Let's have fish and chips tonight. It's been ages. Okay. Oh, what a treat on a Thursday night mm. when we're recording this, everybody. Senya said I can do fish and chips. I'll get fish and chips tonight. Yeah, now we've ended up with only three of us here. I'll make a deal with you. We won't get a takeaway at the weekend if we have one tonight. All right. I was just going to have a salad. 
But I know if you get chips, I'll end up eating them because I've well, got no self-control when it comes to chips. Well, I won't get many. That doesn't stop me. I'm going to leave all that in. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, blimey. Next week. Yes, what's happening next week? Well, what might happen we is... We don't know because we've recorded this so far in advance. Before I say next week, next episode, I think we're going to be talking about murder machines. Yes. We might release that as a special little bonus ep, I think. Like a 20 minute one. Okay. Yeah, we can do that. Um, yeah. A, as a bonus during the week. Hmm. Just once we've heard it a few times. Sounds good. Oh, them murder machines. Bang, bang, bang. Shoot, shoot, shoot. Apparently it's not about drones. I Okay, I didn't think it was about drones. <laughs> Someone asked that on Lucy's Friday Questions. <laughs> so, all right, thanks for telling me that. I the didn't think it was. murder machines, they're flying in the air. Zoom, 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 and a hit, hit, hit. Boom. God. We're on too long, that episode. Right, uh, go leave us a nice review, tell people about us, uh, subscribe to us, listen to us forever. Support us on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash Mr. Biffo. Details are all below. Uh, we're getting close to Meridian Weekends. We're getting close to the release of An Hour Before It's Dark. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Wow, and you call yourself a hard No, i tell you why I get confused, because I want to... What's the other one? Be hard on yourself, because they're both long titles. I keep getting them mixed up. Which one's the album, which one's the single? Oh, true. Yeah. Arbid. That's the acronym, isn't it? Uh, so, yeah, so we'll, we'll, we've got plenty of Meridian to talk about soon. Uh, we will also be doing a Meridian Weekend episode very, very soon, hopefully. We've got so much we want to talk about. We're, just, we're overloaded with Meridian topics. Yes, we are. I'm really hungry now. I want my fish and chips. Oh, because I mentioned it. Yeah, What's my stomach's time? gone. It's really early for dinner. Uh, I'll have a snack. Right chums we'll talk to you about something very soon speak to you soon bye love you love you